When I was originally writing this message, January 6th and the storming of Capitol Hill had not taken place yet. And I, like many of you, watched the news and jumped from channel to channel to see what was being communicated. I was horrified to think that this kind of reaction was possible within the country that I love so much. But even though I love this country and I respect the traditions of the government while struggling with respecting every person who's put into office, I am a citizen of heaven before I'm anything else. And my dual citizenship is not between heaven and nationalism. My dual citizenship is between eternal life and this world that the Lord so graciously allows me to live in for my refinement, for his glory, and appoint people to him in the message of the gospel. Do I have opinions? Yes. Some angry ones, if I'm honest. Do I think that what has happened should have happened? Absolutely not. Do I blame certain people? I do, with a passion. But as the pastor of this church, my order, my orders as the, from my master-in-chief, Jesus Christ, is to feed his sheep, not influence you with politics. Those lines have become more blurred over the past year than ever before, but I've been in prayer since Wednesday attempting to figure out how to respond to all of this with a gospel lens. Here's what I got. People suck. Like people, including you and I, suck. We are dead in our own work. We have nothing good to bring to the table. And even though we won't cover that in our new series for the first few weeks, as we talk about the inauguration of sin in Genesis chapter 3, I'm reminded that our suckiness is not without an answer. It's not without an antidote. It's not without a cure. And that cure is not us trying to vote more for whatever. That cure is not looking to any human for our salvation. The remedy is not by trying to be gooder or better or less sinful. The antidote to our sin and our cosmic treason against a holy and perfect God is God taking on flesh. God coming and saying, lay it down, Tim. I got this for you. Our righteousness is a gift of grace, not a reward for effort. So this weekend, as many of us still reel from the news of what's happened in this country, I want to remind you that the world... The word calls his shot, both in our inadequacy and God's fulfillment of being enough to make us right and holy and pure and new. But you have to lay down your theory that you can do anything about it yourself. It is by receiving a gift undeserved through belief and trust in a God you cannot see because you know his son personally through the sacrifice that has been gifted to you in Jesus's life, his death and his resurrection. So Christians, citizens of heaven, we will get through this. It won't be easy. It won't be clean. We will probably get angry. We will get distracted. We will take our eyes off of the prize. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is better. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more. The gospel of Jesus Christ is sufficient to not make you a better person. That means nothing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is sufficient to make you alive. You once were dead. But now you are alive if you have trusted Jesus Christ with your head and your heart. 2021. Who's excited? Generally, when a new year comes, there's a bit of reflection on the past year and what it was like. And there is hope for the new coming year. And I'd say that this is true this year like no other. But for many, a new year means a new me, whatever that means, which probably means a new beginning. Well, we've decided to cover the original new beginning, the beginning of everything. In the beginning, we see Jesus, 
who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning, we see God in three persons, creating and making and naming and defining things that would become how many, for many years, believed that existence of everything came to be. I love to read. I don't make enough time for it, at least the old-fashioned written in a paper book, but I don't know about you, but I tend to begin books at the beginning of the book. Crazy, I know. Today, we're going to begin the book that many of us consider the greatest book of all time, not because we get saved by reading it or that it makes us a better person by memorizing it or going through it in a year makes us any more holy. This book is the greatest book ever because for the Christian who is indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we believe that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity of the Godhead, actually wrote this book using messed up people like you and I to write down the infallible words of God. And this word of God is living and is active. It is alive. Because spoiler, the word as we will read in a bit became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So today we're gonna begin in the beginning of this book and read the creation account of this world. And for some of you, you may already be misunderstanding me. Now a quick disclaimer. I don't plan to try to convince the person who believes that evolution is the ultimate authority and how everything came to be, that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and then rested. I don't think you want to be convinced. You probably only read one type of news and you've come to your conclusion of your, your theory that everything happened accidentally and good luck with that. But I'll say what I've been saying for about 20 years now when someone is attempting to debate me about Christianity and choose to argue with me specifically about creation. Riddle me this, Batman. If Jesus rose from the dead, then God could and I'd contend did create everything the way his word says that he did because Jesus constantly pointed back to Genesis and never attempted to ridicule people's overwhelming interpretation that God was the creator and initiator of the heavens and the earth. So I begin with that disclaimer because I've been around the block to know how conjecture and ad hoc arguments begin about literal creation. And I'll put my cards on the table. I believe in it. I believe in it the way the book of Genesis writes it through the God's servant, Moses. Fun fact, Moses is is the assumed author of this letter, though the uh, the inspiration came from the Holy Spirit. And why do I believe it? Especially being raised in a home that was so pro-evolution? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And that supersedes any argument because if Jesus can rise from the dead, then God is real. And if God is real, God can write a book. And if God wrote a book, it points out how we all got here and why Jesus rose from the dead. So then come at me, skeptics. But we will be discussing the resurrection. And you can let me know when you want to get baptized because we're getting a new hot tub and we'd love to christen that that baptistry or hot tub, as you will. Now, another disclaimer, as we begin this wonderful journey through the beginning of everything and the beginning of the word of God we know as the Bible, we will be studying the beginning of mankind and we will be looking at the lineage of people and what they did and the foreshadowing and the purpose of everything. And as we do this, we're going to study all about the understanding that Jesus has been since the beginning. 
And none of us really understand our identity or our worth or our place in history without understanding that it is all connected to Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection. And what better place to point that out than from the beginning of all things. So please turn with me to Genesis chapter one, and we're going to start in verse one. Here's what the word says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God Well, that can be unpacked in a myriad of ways, but here's what we know. The beginning of time, God's beginning for creation was not when he began. He has always been, but the beginning of this reality that we know in this world, on this earth, in this solar system had a beginning when God decided to breathe us into existence as we will read later on in the letter. And since the beginning marks the beginning of the creation of the world and everything in it. I think it's easy to skip ahead to the, in the creation story and want to get to the humanity because we think that's where the story really gets good. But the story and the purpose of the entire book is found in the author and the point of the entire book found in verse one. God was active. God was creating. God was making things out of nothing and he was making things new. The name of this book is Genesis, which translates to the beginning. So out of nothing, God creates the heavens and the earth in the beginning. God being the point of not only this verse, but the entire book is something that we, that ought to get our attention and something we need to be reminded of. We can often misinterpret the Bible to be focused on us or on issues that aren't the target of what God's word is actually communicating and emphasizing. In the beginning, God. That is something we ought to focus on. Before anything ever was, God was. And God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavenly realm, the place of his existence, the entity where God presides. This parallels the beginning of John chapter one pretty well, where in John chapter one, it starts with, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John The apostle whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John also led by the Holy Spirit to write what he wrote, made known that in the beginning was the word. And as we read in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So if you patch Genesis at the beginning and you patch next to John at the beginning together, you see that in the beginning, God the Father and God the Son were there at the beginning. But not only that, let's keep reading. In verse two, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. For centuries, people have been debating what this means, but here is the consensus. God, who is spirit, the word says, was directly involved in forming the earth. And this mention, which I believe points out not only that God is spirit, but that the Holy Spirit was involved in the forming of everything as well. So we have the triune God, God in three persons. How many gods are there? There is one God, as Cap says. But God is in three persons, within perfect relationship, within the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is hard to understand. So don't attempt to parallel it with an egg or with an ice cube. Those analogies break down. 
Just know this, that God was in perfect relationship within himself, the Godhead, before any of us showed up on the scene. So what that tells me is that he didn't need us so he wouldn't be lonely. He delighted in his creation to create mankind in his image. But more on that in chapter 2. Moses continues and says in Genesis chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse 2, and says the earth was formless and empty. The earth was an abyss without any substance. God will create something out of nothing here, and that is what the author wants us to recognize. We have chefs and engineers that use ingredients and resources to create something, but God takes nothing and he makes it something as a creator. Watch in verse three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I don't know about you, but I can't speak things into existence. I know that people want to pretend to be able to do this. Speak your reality, name it and claim it and say it. And therefore it is yours. But ain't none of us able to do that but God. He says, let there be light, and there is. From the third verse of the entire Bible, we see how God begins to create something out of nothing. He wills it. He speaks it, and therefore it happens. So don't think any human entity can do this. This is reserved for God himself, but the creator creates through his word. Verse 4. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God saw or he brought attention to that the creation of light was good. Why? Because the creator of light is good. An argument that was made since this is the first time that the Bible states that God spoke something into existence, that he did not do the same thing regarding the heavens and the earth. But as we read in the third verse of John chapter one, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Speaking of the word who became flesh, Jesus. So God creates and we gather that he spoke the heavens and the earth into existence as well. And he speaks light into existence through his will and his mind and his mouth. And then verse five, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So God creates what we know as the day where the light is upon the earth and we can see and be seen. And then the darkness is called night, which is where less can be seen. What we saw and what we will see in the first three days of creation is a separating and a distinguishing and a purifying. And we see a rhythm to his creation. There was day and then there was night. Dr. F.A. Fibley puts it this way. The material world is designed to produce parallels, parables of the spiritual. There is indeed a spiritual law operating in the natural world, and God put us on a planet where light is separated from darkness for our spiritual education as well as for our physical needs. There is a spiritual as well as a physical reason for the pattern of creation He who divorces science from true religion will never be able to come to the real understanding of the world. So sidebar, you ever notice that every night the sun goes down and then the next day the sun comes up? It's a reminder of the fact that the sun, God's son, may have died, but he came back to life. He defeats the darkness every time. All right, moving on. Verse six. 
And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. We see God creating and separating and distinguishing and purifying once again in this rhythm as the second day and time was getting going. Verse nine, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so, and God called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. God was intentional in his preparing for life to be sustained through the creation and the separation of the land and the sea and the sky. And it was good because the creator is good. And he continues this as we see to the end of the third day. In verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, trees on the land that bear fruit with the seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. These are the last preparations for the coming of animal and human life, which tells me that mankind were not by accident nor without thought from the beginning that God was active in making a way that mankind and animals could inhabit the earth and enjoy God's creation. God is a creative artist in his creation and the landscape that he puts out and puts all together. And there was evening and there was morning the third day, verse 13. These past few weeks, I've been able to rest a little relax a little bit more, more than I have really the entire year. And even though my family and I didn't go anywhere, I feel like I got to experience vacation from having to always be on. I don't know if you know this, but as a pastor, there is kind of this, I don't know if it's a pressure, but there's kind of this assumption that we're always available, that we're always going to be on, that we always are going to be uber spiritual. And the thing the Lord has so subtly communicated to me as I have been reading his word without expectation to preach, but to just reread a love letter that the Lord wrote to his creation is how this entire book, this entire book that centers on Christ, it's a story of redemption more than it is a story about anything else. Pastor Ray Stedman once put it this way, we must recognize at the outset that it is not the intention of the Bible to be a textbook on science. If it were, the book would be much thicker than it is, much less comprehensible. Rather, the Bible is intended to be a book of redemption. And what that pointed out to me is that it is really, really, really easy to miss the point of this book. The message of the gospel is not one that we ought to pat on its head or even pay lip service to, but something that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to be taught, reminded, equipped, and centered around. So how do you centralize the message of the gospel in a short passage that is yet to even include us or our deficiencies or our sin or our need for a savior? Well, as we've said many times, If the gospel isn't about us, if it's about Jesus, then you can see the gospel any and everywhere that he has spoken of, hinted at, 
or foreshadowed. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are active in creation. God is speaking things into existence through His power and His might. He is preparing the world to be inhabited by a creation that is more important to Him than any animal or shrub. He is preparing the garden for people, for people created in His image, image bearers. And He does all of this knowing what is going to take place with sin and with death and with sacrifice and with redemption. The gospel message was not a plan B. It was the plan A and it always has been and it always will be. It was always that way for men, women, and children who would be redeemed since choice in the garden was given to reject God's commands. God knew that a redemptive savior would be sacrificed. God prepared everything for our arrival and it was good. But the will of man corrupted what God made. And he went along and he created us anyway, knowing that we would rebel, knowing we would turn from his perfect law and love. And this is a great mystery, but also a reminder of the brilliance of the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. The gospel, the redemptive plan of a sacrificial and loving God, which is good news and is always the antithesis to the bad news that we have a natural heart condition of rebellion. So how can we see the gospel in a passage that doesn't even include the existence of mankind yet? Well, I read ahead, as did you, and the parallels of the preparation of the first days of creation point to what I would consider the most important third day, which is when Christ victoriously defeated sin and death, and we live, pun intended, vicariously, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so as we begin this year full of new what-ifs and hopes and dreams and plans and new priorities and new resolutions probably, I'm grateful that we can look back at the beginning of everything as we know it and focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the plan A for broken people to be restored. But how will you focus on the gospel? this year? That's my big question for us as a community, as Church of the Valley, as, as part of the Church of the Living God. How will you focus on the gospel this year? We are selfish people. So if I ask the question of you, what will you focus on this year? I can almost guarantee that your answer, probably like mine, will have a hint of bettering yourself rather than magnifying Jesus. So how will you focus on the gospel this year? Does that mean that you plan to share it a little bit more? Will you finally bow a knee and respond in repentance and receive the gospel? Will you examine the gospel even more? Will you start to read scripture through the lens of the gospel, understanding that the Bible is full of the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ? Will you... Allow the gospel to be the filter for your life as you read God's word and as you live this life. Will the gospel become the thing that you obsess about this year rather than the things that we tend to make priorities in years past? In the beginning, Jesus. In the beginning, God had a plan to redeem people who are rebellious and it was a good plan. 
of a good God working in his good creation to restore and reconcile sinful people back to himself. I know nothing better than to focus on this year than that. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for what you're up to in this community. And I thank you, God, that you're at work. And I ask, even though as I pray, it feels a little weird because we're not in person, God, I pray that you would use us as a community to make much of you even more, that you would give us the eyes to focus on your gospel. And Lord, I pray for an offering that I didn't really bring up, but this is an opportunity for your people to worship you. And so I ask God that men and women would take the offering that you uh, give the people of your people at COV the passion to want to give, not out of have to, but out of a want to serve you and to worship you through giving. God, I pray that you would take that offering and you would make much of yourself through it, God. I pray that Jesus would be lifted high. I pray the redemptive work of your spirit and your son would be something that does not fall far from our minds at all. God, would you make disciples, would you make people look more like you through the people of COV and through the offering that you're going to use for the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hope you guys have a great week. I hope you guys will stay safe and I hope that the gospel The good news of Jesus Christ will be something that you will be serious about this week and will be passionate about. And as this week ends, that it will just be the beginning of something exciting as we live our lives through the filter and the lens of the good news of Jesus Christ. Love you guys. Hey, Church of the Valley, uh, first sermon this year, and I already forgot to do the offering, so we're going to put it in the, at the end of the sermon. But uh, uh, how many of you remember these? We used to, when we would do communion together in the worship center, we would place these on a table, and then you would hand your offering in here. And then when we weren't doing communion, we would pass these bags. Well, obviously, you guys aren't here. It's probably not the best idea to pass something right now. But we do want to give you the opportunity to be able to give, not because you have to, not because it's a tip to God, because you got to experience a playlist or anything like that. It is an act of worship. And so we will encourage you every single week, somewhat as a reminder, I know there are many people that forget to give. I know for me, I tend to write one check once a month and I tend to do it mid-month, but there are times I've forgotten and then I have to catch up. And so I don't want it to feel like, oh, I have to do this. I want it to be a reminder that God gave me everything I have. I want it to be a reminder that it's a way for me to be able to worship him. I want to be a reminder that, man, the Lord can use my whatever percentage I give back to him so much more than I could use 100% of whatever I have. And so I want to encourage you, if you consider Church of the Valley the place where you give, this should not be under compulsion. This should not be under something where you feel that you have to. This is an act of worship and an opportunity for God to give you perspective of what your finances really mean to you. And so I hope that you will continue to give, especially as we as elders and leaders are talking about what does it look like to do playlists and maybe some more in-person things safely as this new year is beginning. I hope that you pray for us and that also that you'd be praying for us as a community as we want to do radical things with the work of God's resources that he gives us through you. And so hope you guys have a blessed week.